We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast, a little special weekend edition to get ready for today's big matchup against the Denver Nuggets. We will be live over on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Come watch the game directly with us, or you can hang out with us here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. We'll have our play-by-play. Joining me today, welcome back. It's Ron Gutterman. And Ron, I, I promise... This is coincidence. I know people think, oh, Ron's a, Ron's a Nuggets fan and everything. I was not <laughs> even looking at the calendar or looking at who the opponent was when when we ultimately settled on today to have you record. We're actually recording this on Friday. Um, the, in no way is your, is your love for the Denver Nuggets or your now legendary love for the Denver Nuggets part of the process to get you in here. It was just a happy coincidence. No, I mean, I, we kept trying to make a day work, and and finally it was today. And I didn't even realize it too. Like I looked, I looked this morning in preparation for what we we're going to talk about, and I was like, of course, like of course that's <laughs> who it is tomorrow because that's just our luck here. So yeah, it's definitely a random random occurrence. Nobody nobody think we did this on purpose. Now I guess we should clear the air though. You are not actually a Denver Nuggets fan. No, no, not at all. I <laughs> never never have been. Um, because that is that is the belief amongst uh, Lakers fans. Uh, all right, so amongst Lakers Nation. Before we get into everything, though, been a little while since you've been on. A lot of people have been saying, where's Ron? Why don't you fill everybody in with what's been going on with you? Yeah, I've just been very, very busy. I've been coaching uh, my uh, coaching a high school varsity team. We, we won our CIF championship uh, last week. We got to state playoffs, lost in the second round. Uh, but, you know, uh, top top eight finish in California State Division II. Uh, huge, huge accomplishment. It was the best season in school history. That's so amazing. That, that took up uh, a lot of time. I've been doing uh, some some theater, some, some acting, some directing on the side as well. So I've just been doing a ton of stuff. And uh, it leaves me in a place to not really have a free time to record uh, but I, I'm trying to trying to squeeze it in when I can. So this this was a perfect opportunity. Well, especially you're busy a, a lot in the evenings with all of that stuff, and I tend to record in the evening after kind of the news day has slowed down. So that hasn't lined up very well. But glad to have you on. You guys know I always love talking basketball with uh, with Ron. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got Lakers Nuggets tonight. Now, again, as we're recording this, Friday night's games have not happened yet, so the standings may be you know, a little bit shifted at that point, but right now the Lakers sitting in the ninth seed. Uh, they are a game and a half, as we're recording this, behind the Sacramento Kings. A win against the Nuggets would go a long way to help out, helping out with that. 
Ron, what what do you see? I mean, I believe it's been seven in a row now that the Lakers have lost going back to the playoffs to the to the Denver Nuggets. What do you see as the path to victory? Is there a path to victory? I guess is where we should start uh, for tonight for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, of course, in the NBA, like anyone can beat anyone on any, any given night. I think at this point, uh, in, in that time that the Nuggets have won seven straight against the Lakers, neither of these teams have had significant roster changes. So, like, we've kind of covered ad nauseum, like, kind of the matchup issues that the Nuggets present for LA. Um, you know, that that starting lineup uh, that the Nuggets have is just kind of it's a well-oiled machine. Uh, they 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 challenge the Lakers in ways that really no other team can because of that two man game of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic uh, because of the size they have. You know, the Lakers have, you know, noted rebounding struggles. The Nuggets are a team that can exploit that because they have size at every position. They're tall at every position. Um it, it, it's just not a great matchup, but of course, you know, any, any team can beat any team on any given night. You know, the Lakers, the, the Clippers don't present a great matchup for the Lakers either. And the Lakers found a way to make that comeback and, and make that, make that win happen. And sometimes you have to ride the backs of your superstars. Sometimes the role players show up. I, the, the path to victory is slim given all the reasons we've discussed in the past, but yeah, of course, uh, you know, a win would go a huge, a long, long way in the standings right now. Yeah, it would be a major help, especially because this is, you know, this is a game where we don't, you wouldn't expect the Lakers to win this. So in my mind, if you're able to get this win tonight, not only does it help you in the standings, but it would kind of serve to erase one of the games earlier on in the season that you really shouldn't have lost. Um, so this could be a big way to to take a step forward here for the Lakers and get one. And not to mention, it would feel good to finally get a win over the Nuggets because it's been way, way too long since that has happened. Now, as of this moment, the injury report has not been issued just yet. I just double-checked on it. It has not come out yet, so we don't know what the status of Jamal Murray is going to be. I would expect Denver not to reveal anything concrete until close to the game, but right now, we don't know what his status is going to be coming into this game. Uh, what, are, what are the keys for the Lakers? You mentioned the rebounding concerns. That was a point of emphasis for Darvin Ham uh, before the game against the Clippers. What are the other keys here for the Lakers in order to, to get a win tonight? Yeah, I think, uh, and we're, we're, we'll go into it a little bit more, but this team's identity in the last yeah. month-ish has shifted quite a lot to, you know, for years with, with LeBron and AD, it was defense first, and the offense was sort of just like grind it out and make it happen and, and do just enough. And in the last month, it's kind of shifted to this, the Lakers are kind of this weirdly explosive offense. They're hitting threes at, at a... I think they're top like seven in three point percentage in the last month. Like they're they're now like this explosive offense that is kind of hemorrhaging points defensively, and that goes back to lineup changes. That goes back to injuries to Jared Vanderbilt. Um, th there's there's a lot of things that have you know shifted their identity in the last month, uh, and so I think you know against a team like the Nuggets, that probably isn't going to work. That uh, that offense first mentality. I, I don't think. Mm -hmm the Lakers are at a place where they're going to outscore the Denver Nuggets and like win a shootout against the Denver Nuggets because that offense is historically efficient and has been for a couple of years now. Um, and so I think the, the hope is that you can kind of return to some semblance of the identity that you wanted this team to have. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's the keys to victory to this game is, is difficult because there's just no, there's no history of this iteration of the Lakers beating this iteration of the Nuggets. 
Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, it may come down to the Lakers need to be on a heater, particularly from behind the arc. That's been critical to their success. They've been surprisingly good from deep on the season. They've been a little bit better than a middle-of-the-pack team, which, I mean, that was not the expectation coming in. We were thinking they'd probably be a bottom third team uh, in terms of their three-point shooting. But you're right, the defense has really dropped off, and that is definitely problematic. Teams, look, we, we say the old adage is defense wins championships, and there's truth to that. Right now, the Lakers are not playing defense at all, really. It's been it's been really bad, especially post-All-Star break. Their defense has been bad. And certainly, you can point to some players who are out right now. Jared Vanderbilt, Cam Reddish, we don't know about his status. He was only able to go for four minutes the other night against the Wizards uh, with his ankle still bothering him. That's going to be a concern for the Lakers, but they're going to need to pick things up on the defensive end of the floor. This Denver offense, it's so clinical. They're great at finding all the looks that they want. They know exactly where their shots are going to come from. We saw it the last time the Lakers played the Nuggets. It was close in the fourth, late in the game. You thought, uh-oh, maybe they'll get this one. Instant 10-0 Denver run where they just generated one shot after another after another that were open, in rhythm, and they knocked them down. And that's always the challenge when you're dealing with this Denver team. I still have Denver, despite the standings, not having Denver first. I have Denver as the favorite to come out of the West still because of how familiar they are with each other and because of their ability to execute in crunch time. And, you know, that Jokic guy is pretty good. Uh, do you agree in the West? Is Denver still the team to go through? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Minnesota and Oklahoma City are obviously having great seasons and like, Full respect to those two teams. I, I don't I don't see either of them beating Denver in a seven game series. I think the you know, I, I just I think the West runs through Denver right now. And I think the Lakers, what's so difficult for them is when you're when you've chosen this recent identity of, you know, explosive offense, not great defense. What it leads to is games like Denver, where you're able to hang around for three and a half quarters. And when it comes time to execute in crunch time, you don't have the defense to rely on to do that. The, the only way you execute in crunch time is by getting stops. You can't you can't trade buckets in crunch time every game and expect to win. It's not a sustainable method, and that's kind of what the Lakers have been for the last month or so. Mm -hmm. um, and so against a team like Denver, it really, really shows itself. Well, so the Lakers, since the All-Star break, they are eighth in offensive rating. That's great. Top 10 offense. Let's go. But 25th. In defensive rating. And once again, we can point to players being injured and things of that nature, but they just they've not been good. And this is how they went on their run last year, post-All-Star break, after the trade deadline, where they brought in D'Lo and Vando and Malik Beasley and, and all the rest. Um, when they went on the run, they did it by becoming an elite defensive team. And they are definitely not doing that right now. And after the game, Darvin Ham was asked about this. He was asked about, hey, you guys are struggling to get stops. But you you do get stops like late in games. They got some stops in overtime against the Wizards. They got stops in the fourth quarter against the Clippers. When you absolutely have to get stops, you're getting them. And so Darwin was asked, "And is this you? Know, how do you look at this? Are you more frustrated that they're not getting stops earlier, or are you more optimistic because they showed that they can do it?" Here's what he said. I've got the clip here. Check out how Darvin Ham approaches this issue. You mentioned the the, the competitiveness. Um, the Clippers were over fifty percent for most of the game, if not all of it. I think the Wizards, I don't know, they finished over, I believe, 50% tonight um, from the field defensively. But but when it's come time, like you guys have been able to kind of find the stops. Um, are you encouraged by that or more kind of discouraged that it's like it's no, come to, that it's come to like, you know, it, it, it's not a consistent thing? It's there. That's that's the only, I wouldn't even call it a concern. And that's the only issue. You know, it's, it's like, how can we make 
last night's fourth quarter, tonight's overtime, more consistent. No one is going to play lockdown defense for 48 minutes. Players, teams are too good in this league. So you have to make timely stops, but you also have to have uh, long durations of activity, um, alertness, uh, doing your work early, uh, really that, that laser focus on that side of the ball because, you know, the truth be told is this, that side of the ball, when you're really good on that side of the ball consistently, then it frees up a lot for your offense. As you mentioned, the 30 assists. Well, a lot of assists comes when you're playing the transition a lot offensively. So if we're able to, again, sustain what we're able to do versus the Clippers in that fourth quarter and tonight versus the Wizards in the uh, – our, our third quarter tonight was a lot better based on, you know, of the four quarters in regulation. Uh, but, again, we just got to continue to study the film, talk about schemes and matchups, what have you, and uh, continue to get better at it. Ron, 25th in defensive rating. And Darvin says he's encouraged. What did you, what did you take from that? You know, I think um, he, he's talking about how getting timeless stops, like, you're, nobody's going to play good defense for 48 minutes. There's too much talent in the league to do that. I sort of get the sentiment of that on sure. some level, but like if, like, let's take it back to 2020. That team had stretches where you could not score on them. Like there was just there was nothing you could do to score on that basketball team for you know a couple minutes at a time. And I think this team has those stretches too, where for like a minute or two, two three minutes, they are. They, you, they can't be scored on. We saw it against the Clippers. Like They have those stretches, but the difference is that 2020 team, when they weren't in those stretches, they were still getting stops consistently, even if it wasn't shut down for 12 minutes. This team, the focus just goes away completely. And so you have those stretches where, yes, like they do have two to three minutes a game where you can't score on them and they are locked in and you see the movement. But the difference is this year's team, when it's not those two to three minutes, it's it's unfocused and teams are getting pretty much whatever they want, especially when they're playing, you know, some of those teams that you're going to see in the playoffs, a Denver, uh, a Clippers, uh, you know, there were stretches against uh, the Knicks like that. They, they just get unfocused. And so I think that's where I would be more concerned than Darvin Ham is letting on. And I hope he's just being, you know, putting on a front for, you know, media, whatever, and that deep down he is concerned about that because it's less to me about the stretches of dominance defensively, which they have a couple of those in them. Mm -hmm. It's what they look like when they're not in those stretches, which is to me completely unfocused. Yeah, that, that's it. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. I, I don't, I, I don't think if he's not concerned, it, you're right. If he's just saying it to the media, that's one thing, but if he's not concerned about what we're seeing defensively right now with teams, just parading to, to the paint, getting buckets, uh, getting the shots that they want consistently, getting open looks, that's it's concerning that he's not concerned, right? I mean, you're 25th in defensive rating over the last four games. You can't do that and expect to go on any kind of a sustained run here. Uh, so looking at this and saying, well, but we can do it, but we can't, but I'm encouraged because we can't. All right. I understand that. Right. And that's, that's good. We talk about it with LeBron, right? People say, oh, LeBron's not the same anymore. LeBron doesn't have it anymore. Oh no, he does. And we see it. He can do it. He just can't do it all the time. The problem is when it comes to something like defense, it's not like LeBron turns it on to, to D up Kawhi Leonard 
on one possession or, or get a stop on Jordan Poole on one possession or something like that. LeBron's 39 years old. When we're talking about the team's defense, that can't be the, well, every once in a while they turn it on. And so we see that they can do it. No, there has to be some kind of consistency. And you're right. I think the floor defensively needs to raise. Yes, there's going to be moments where they are exceptionally good on that end of the floor. Maybe they get a, a kill. They get three stops in a row. Maybe it's four stops, five stops, whatever it is. They force some turnovers. We're going to see some solid plays like that, especially when LeBron really gets it going on defense. But it's those other times where the floor needs to be raised. They just can't be awful. They need to be at least average. And frankly, to get to a championship level, they would have to be good, like top 10. I don't know they're going to get there. But the floor needs to be raised for those moments where they are not at that elite level defensively because, frankly, there's a lot of those moments. And against the best teams, as you said, Ron, you're not going to get away with it. Tonight against Denver, if you are not at least mediocre defensively, you're going to get lit up. That's what's going to happen. Denver is a team, the best teams in the NBA, I talk about this a lot, the best teams in the league, when you make a mistake defensively, number one, they recognize it, but the truly the best of the best, they recognize it and they punish you for it. And that's what I what I fear can happen against teams like Denver, teams like Minnesota, teams like OKC, all these teams the Lakers are going to be seeing. You have to raise the floor defensively. And so far, we have not seen that. With Cam Reddish's injury, no Jared Vanderbilt. Ron, how uh, confident are you in this team's defense eventually, hopefully sooner rather than later, finding their way? You know, I think I think by the by the postseason, and it seems like at this rate, the Lakers are winning games at a high enough clip to where they'll at least be in the play-in tournament. Um, I By then, you know, like you said, I, I don't see this team rising to the level of like a top 10 defense at any point. Um, I don't think they're quite so bad as 25th. That seems that that is a little extreme, but, you know, I think they're like, I think their ceiling defensively is kind of like a middle of the road, maybe like 12 to 15 level team. I, I, I don't really see, even with all their guys healthy, you know, Gabe Vincent at some point is going to play basketball. You would think uh, Jared Vanderbilt, Cam Reddish, you know, these are all defense first guys and obviously losing all of them and having none of them play is going to hurt you. But even with all those guys back and let's say you only get those guys back for, and this is less reddish and more Vanderbilt and Vincent. Like, let's say you only get those guys back for 10 regular season games before the play in tournament at best, you know, do you have time to integrate them and get their conditioning up to a place where they can be really impactful defenders and lift the team's defensive ceiling and floor? I don't know that that exists. And I think, you know, if you're talking about, let's say, a first round matchup with the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, as much as I think the Lakers experience would give them a shot against OKC, the defensive floor as it exists currently, OKC will exploit that they have way too much talent on the offensive end of the floor to not exploit that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely concerned. I'm, I'm much more concerned than Darvin Ham seems to be, which, you know. that That's not a great sign. <laughs> you're yeah. more concerned than the coaches. That's not a great sign. Again, maybe he's just presenting a strong front publicly. That's certainly possible, but yeah. still not, not, not great. Not great. All right. Uh, Ron Wood, uh, before I, by the way, everybody, I'm going to get into the mailbag in just a few moments here, but Ron, before we let you go, what's, uh, what do you predict for tonight's game? How do you see this playing out? You know, I, I think after two hard fought, 
back-to-back victories against the Clippers and Wizards. I, I It's one of those where you, you feel like maybe a letdown spot is coming because of how much you had to put to win those two games. Mm-hmm. And then you only got the one night off before you're back against the, the reigning NBA champions. So a part of me feels this may be a letdown spot, especially we, we don't know the injury report yet. Perhaps, you know, if everyone's playing, maybe this is a different story. But like, to me, this reads a little bit like a letdown spot. But also with these Lakers, right when you think it's a letdown spot is when they go and win. You know, you have the Boston win as like an example of like, sure. right when you think it's the letdown spot, that's when they go and prove you wrong. So I, my prediction would probably be the Nuggets winning this game by like 8 to 12. Uh, but But right when you think that is when the Lakers seem to win games. So I don't know. <laughs> Well, right now, and this, I, I'm shocked. I just checked here. By the time you're listening to this or watching this, I'm sure this will have shifted. But as of right now, Friday afternoon, we're recording this, the Lakers are a point and a half favorite in this game. I did right. not expect that. I'm assuming that's a reaction to Jamal Murray's injury and the assumption that he's a no-go. Again, we don't have the injury report out just yet, but that that was surprising to me, Ron. Yeah, I mean that's definitely surprising. I mean, I, I know you get you know you get you get a bump at home. You get a, sure. I think you get a three point bump at home. Usually is what it is. So, but but I think, yeah, I mean I I would not have the Lakers favored in this game. I think if they win, it would be an upset of sorts, as much as an upset as you can have in the regular season. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. I'm hoping that the Lakers do show up tonight. They understand how important this game is. They treat it as such, and they find a way to get the win because this would be a big help in the standings. All right, everybody, I'm going to get to the mailbag in just a moment. But, Ron, thank you so much for coming in. Always a pleasure to talk NBA basketball with you, to talk Lakers. And uh, we'll have to make sure we get you on. uh, We don't wait so long to get you on next time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. uh, Schedule's lightening up a little bit, I think. uh, So so we'll, we'll definitely get some opportunities there. All right. Appreciate it. We'll get to the mailbag in just a moment. Bet US, we are America's favorite sports book. And to celebrate our 30 year anniversary, we are giving 125% sign up bonus and up to 30 risk free bets. So, what are you waiting for? Join now. That's our sponsor for today's show, Bet US. They've got a phenomenal promotion going right now 125% sign up bonus on your first three deposits up to $2,500. Use that code JOIN125. The link in the description down below. Go check it out. You can see the websites on your screen right now, YouTube viewers, and they've got anything that you can look for on BetUS right now. I'm looking at MLB because we've got Dodger season starting up too. Make sure that you guys go check out the Dodger Blue YouTube channel. They do a great job over there, but uh, BetUS, anything that you could want, you can find it there. Just click that yellow Get Started button, and again, that excellent promo uh, you get 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500 on your first three deposits with that code JOIN125, and they give you 10% gambler's insurance for your net losses if you're active every four or six months. All right, let's get into our mailbag. Big thank you to Ron Gutterman for jumping on, helping us preview Lakers versus Nuggets. Now, in between Ron and I recording that and this section of the show, the Lakers signed Harry Giles, so or they're going to be signing him anyway. So before I do dive into the mailbag, I want to talk a little bit about that and as well as the unfortunate results that we saw around the NBA on Friday night. So 
Uh, Harry Giles is going to get a two-way contract with the Lakers. Colin Castleton right now is out with a fractured wrist. And then you've got, and I've heard his uh, recovery is going well. Uh, and then Christian Wood is dealing with swelling in his knee. So because of that, the Lakers are a little bit thin at the big position. And so they do add Harry Giles. Now Dylan Windler is going to get waived in order to open up that two-way spot. Uh, you know, There was a point when Harry Giles was the guy. Right. Coming out of high school, he was the guy like he was the guy everybody was keeping their eye on, um, dealt with a number of knee injuries, though, ultimately wound up going 20th in the 2017 NBA draft. I mean, he was supposed to be the next big thing at one point. Didn't wind up happening. Obviously, he's bounced around the NBA's played in, in four seasons, partially played 16 games last season. He has developed a jumper. And he can shoot a bit from outside, so that is certainly a useful thing, especially in this Lakers offense. You could use a guy that could shoot the ball from the outside a little bit. But again, he's on a two-way contract, so I really look at him as a break glass in case of emergency type player. If you need to plug him in for a few minutes, maybe he can give you that. But remember, I think this is mostly because, number one, Christian Wood is hurt. Number two, Colin Castleton is hurt. I think had one of those two guys been healthy, they're probably not signing Harry Giles. So I don't want people to expect him to come in and immediately get a role. And okay, now we know who we're sticking on Nikola Jokic in this game tonight against the Nuggets or something. No, let's pump the brakes here. At one point, he was a really big name in basketball. And at one point, a lot of people expected him to be the next big thing as far as uh, the big man position goes. Never really panned out for him. The knee injuries have really really set him back. He's been working to try to make his way back into the league for quite a while. Um, and it's just never really stuck for him. Hopefully, he can find a new home with the Lakers and everything works great. But more often than not, what ends up happening with situations like these is you give the guy a look and at some point, he's going to wind up being cut or he'll go somewhere else or whatever. Right now, he'll be a break glass in case of emergency big, but... Not a bad idea here for the Lakers to go get another big body to use in the middle while they're so thin right now with the injuries that they're dealing with. Uh, the other thing, uh, unfortunately, you look around the NBA right now and you see uh, what happened. The Sacramento Kings, uh, the West is just unforgiving. Unforgiving. It's terrible. Terrible what's happening in the Western Conference right now. Uh, all the things the Lakers need to happen, they're not happening. They're not. Well, Okay, I shouldn't say all of the things are not happening because there's a few things that have happened, but uh, Friday night was not kind to the Lakers in general. You take a look at the standings, what happened? Sacramento got the win uh, over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Not a win that you would expect, but Sacramento got the win. Our old friend Malik Monk went crazy, so that doesn't help the Lakers trying to catch up there in the standings. Golden State got the win as well. They just keep winning and winning and winning and winning. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. That is killing the Lakers. That has dropped them down to the 10th seed. And all of these things now put more pressure on the Lakers to once again get the win over the Denver Nuggets tonight, which will not be an easy task for L.A. Speaking of easy, remember the Warriors have a super easy schedule from here on out. So keeping pace with them may be difficult. Now the one plus is that the Mavs lost uh, last night, but they were playing those goons in green. So... I mean, we always want to see the Celtics lose. In this case, though, it actually kind of helps the Lakers that they won because the Mavs picked up a loss. So now the Lakers just a game and a half behind the Dallas Mavericks. They do still have two games remaining against the Sacramento Kings. Oh, and then the Pelicans blew out the Indiana Pacers. So that was not ideal either. Puts the Lakers now a total of three games back of the New Orleans Pelicans. So 
Uh, again, this is the problem with the West. Trying to make up any ground. You look at this. Golden State, 8-2 and two in their last 10. The Mavs, 7-3. and three. The Kings, 5-5. Five and five. That's that's your best case right now. Pelicans, 6-4. and four. Suns, 7-3. and three. Uh, Clippers, 5-5. Five and five. And then everybody else all the way up, 7-3. and three. Like, the Lakers are winning at a 70% clip right now, and they're not making up any ground. In fact, they've actually dropped in the standings because the Warriors are winning at an 80% clip. All the teams in the West that the Lakers need to lose games are just winning way too often right now, and that's going to make it difficult for them. Okay, let's dive into the mailbag, though. We've got some stuff to get into here. Mailbag time. Most of these comments, these questions are coming in after the Lakers uh, win over the Wizards. Frustrating win, and I think you can kind of feel that in the comments. Seeps said Saturday, we have to deal with the dark magic nuggets. They seem to have a way, right? They seem to have a way of beating the Lakers. It's frustrating. It's not what you want to see. All I can say is, boy, the Lakers are due. The Lakers are due for a win against the Nuggets. Jordan says, I thought it would be an easy win tonight, so I went to bed before the game started, woke up to see we're going to overtime. I mean, I guess you spared yourself the aggravation of watching a frustrating game where the Lakers just, you kept waiting, didn't you, against the, the Wizards. Kept waiting for the Lakers to really take control. And they just never quite did. You know, the Wizards had a lot of guys get going. Jordan Poole got going. Kyle Kuzma got going late, had the little running hook and hit you know some threes and things of that nature. Um, it's just what happens. Look, the teams are very good in the NBA. And I thought the Lakers' defense was just not good enough, which Ron and I talked about. Tom Tom said, smiling faces on the bench, especially Jackson Hayes, after LeBron had to block a layup and get a three to keep us in the game with a nine-win team made me literally sick. Well, okay. Like let's 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 talk about that. All right. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit here, Tom Tom. Now I understand say, you know, the context of oh my gosh, are you really gonna do this? You're really gonna blow a game against a nine-win team, a must-win game. I know it's second night of a back-to-back, -back, but still, it's the Washington Wizards. Right, I mean, you might as well call them the Washington Generals this season. That's that's what they've been. So I get it. I get the frustration there. But think about it. You're Jackson Hayes. I mean, D'Angelo Russell talked about this after the game, right? Like LeBron was the first player he watched growing up. That that, that was LeBron James. He says he literally. D'Lo said he literally cried the first time he watched LeBron James play basketball. Like, because as a kid, that was his first experience with the NBA. So I think we have to remember that. Right, like yes, the context of Washington matters, and that's frustrating to see the Lakers not winning in a game that they should, and and everybody's you know upset and angry, and you want to see the team reflect that same thing sitting over the bench. They should be frustrated too that they're not blowing out this terrible team. But when LeBron James does something majestic, when he does something dramatic, a chase down block at 39 years old, and I know LeBron's the dude that turned the ball over to begin with, but still. A chase down block comes back right after that, right? Chase down block, the ensuing offensive possession comes back, hits a big three. That's momentum right there. There's got to be a part of that that not only is just feeding off the energy of those plays, but it's also that's LeBron James, right? That's LeBron James. You look at a guy like Jackson Hayes, who's what, like 23, 24, something like that? Maybe. These guys grew up watching him. Like, you can't help but for a moment be captured by that. Like, this is the guy. 
This is the guy that means everything to this generation of players. I think that's a factor here. And so while, yeah, we want to see sour faces on the Lakers bench when they're not playing well, but LeBron goes and does something like that, I'm not going to expect them to sit there stone-faced. No, they're going to get wrapped up. And that not only are they going to cheer for their teammate, but he's the dude. He's the guy that they, that they grew up watching. You see him get to do stuff like that? Can't help but smile, even with the context. All right, let's get back into it. For game, Sam, so why does it feel like none of our guards can guard anyone? Uh, because none of our guards can guard anyone. That's why. Now, I mean, Austin, look, we, we knew this going in. Austin Reeves will compete defensively. He will try. He will put forth the effort. It's not going to be a lack of effort with Austin, but he's not a good defensive player. We knew that coming in. And D'Lo, he will try. He literally called himself in the postgame the slowest player in the NBA. He's at a very big athletic disadvantage. Now, fortunately, he's probably not in the league if, you, if, he, if it wasn't for the fact that he's 6'4 with a 6'10 wingspan. So he's pretty decent height for a guard to begin with. And then he's got the long wingspan. He doesn't have that. He's probably not in the league. He's not that athletic compared to NBA player standards, right? And, and, and he wasn't joking. When he said he's the slowest player in the league. Now, Kyle Anderson might disagree, but D'Lo is not an uber athlete. It's not what he is. So that's where the guards are going to have problems. Now, who else are the are the guards on this team? Well, Max Christie can defend. Uh, he certainly can, but he doesn't get a ton of minutes, and he's more kind of a guy for the, the future, right? And, and then Torian Prince will get some minutes at the two every once in a while, but he's not... He's not a good defensive player. And then you've got Spencer Dinwiddie, who's the new guy who just came in, who's 30, who's okay defensively. He's no Alex Caruso, right? He's no Drew Holiday. He's no lockdown defensive guard. That's not what he is. He's not even a Javon Carter. He's not that. He's just an okay defensive player. So if you feel like the guards can't guard anyone, probably because the guards can't guard anyone. Like that, I think it's just... It's accurate, and we knew that coming in. And it's part of the reason why the more I watch this team, and I like Rui, the more I watch this team, talked about it with Ron, the more you can feel the absence of Jared Vanderbilt. The more you can really feel that because he's that defensive dynamo that makes up for D'Lo and Austin in the backcourt in a way that Rui can't. Now, Rui provides things that Bando can't, but you can tell they're missing him. This comment says, four Wizards with 20-plus points should have blown this team out with AD, LeBron, D'Lo getting 20-plus each. Our perimeter Matador defense is still a problem. Need Vando ASAP. Yeah, you know, I didn't look ahead to that question, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, Vando, and we got no update, by the way. Darwin was asked about it. Vando, Gabe Vincent, nothing. No update. James Bell, Austin, have not deserved to be a starting caliber player this season. You know, this is interesting. So we did a members-only live show yesterday. I had a ton of fun, as always. I had a great time talking about it. Talked a little bit about Austin. And said, you know, I've noticed that a lot of people are suddenly really down on Austin Reeves. Are, you know, I'm getting a lot of these comments in the in the chat with, with people that are just angry. At Austin, I think he's and think he's just terrible. And 
I, I think it comes down to a few things. I think it comes down to a few things. So, and we talked about this on the members only live show. By the way, if you want to check out our YouTube channel membership program, uh, click that join button. We do weekly members only shows. People get to come on stage, hang out, chat. It's 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 a good time. But um, you look at Austin. I think there's a few things that have got people upset with him. Number one, he gets targeted defensively. Now, does that make him necessarily a bad defensive player? He's not great. He's not great. But you do know it's very noted. It's something that stands out. We talked about this a lot with Russell Westbrook last year, right? That when Russ makes mistakes, they're loud mistakes. And so that amplifies everything because there's stuff that everybody sees. There's times where like Rui will blow an, an assignment off ball. Is there going to be a huge uproar over that? No, because a lot of people don't see it. A lot of people won't notice that. Um, Austin, when he gets targeted defensively, that's loud. That's a loud thing to happen in the game. Everybody focuses on that. It's very clear what's happening, right? The side clears out. You've got the guy one-on-one, -on -one and he's clearly going after us. They just executed a switch to try to get to Austin defensively. And if that guy scores, everybody throws their hands up and goes, Austin Reeves, right? That's what happens. So there's that. People see him get picked on defensively. There's also the hype that was around him. And look, I, I hyped him up too. I thought we were in store for a very big Austin Reeves season. But the funny thing is, it's not like he's been bad. It's not like he's been bad. He's actually been pretty good statistically when you look at him. Right? Austin's been good. So here's the month of February for Austin. And these are not like, this isn't like an outlier month. These are a little bit better than a season average. This is not an outlier month here for Austin. Uh, aside from maybe the three-point shooting. 50% from the field in the month of February, playing 34 minutes. 50%, 50, 43 from three, 86% at the free throw line. Four four boards, 6.4 assists, two turnovers, 17.7 points. 18, 6, and 4 on 50, 43, 86 shooting. And people are livid with this guy. I've seen people in the comments that are so upset with Austin Reeves, and that's the production you're getting out of him. 18, 6, and 4? 43% from deep. And again, he hasn't shot the three that well all season. But it's not like he's been awful on the season. You look at his season stats. 36% from three. That's a little lower than we hoped, right? We were hoping he'd be around 40%. But 49% from the field. 86.5% from uh, the free throw line. 5.4 assists, four boards. 16 points. So he picked it up a bit in the month of February, got more minutes in February too. But we're looking at this. I've got people who are looking at this guy and just say, just saying, oh my gosh, he's he's awful. Get him out of the starting lineup. Get him out of the game. You can't play him. All this kind of stuff. I feel like there's this major overreaction, negative overreaction towards Austin. I think it's a backlash from uh, the hype that he got over the summer. I think that's part of it. I also think that it's the defensive targeting that we see. And then there's the sense that Austin is the reason why the Lakers don't have DeJounte Murray right now. 
or Austin is the reason why the Lakers didn't do a bigger trade. And I, I still have people who say, you know, why is he untouchable? No one said Austin is untouchable. He's not. He's not untouchable. And look, if, if Trey Young becomes available this summer, if Donovan Mitchell becomes available this summer, the Lakers are going to put Austin in trade talks. That's just going to be a thing. But Austin was untouchable in the sense that the Lakers wanted to make sure that if they moved him on the contract that he's on, which is very valuable, that they were going to get a, a clear upgrade, that they were going to get a definite, clear upgrade that can take them where they want to go and is worth the opportunity cost. And they didn't see that. Now, some of you may say DeJounte Murray is that. He's worth it. So if you say Austin plus JHS, who is killing it in the G League, I need to talk more about that, but Austin plus JHS plus whatever else you want to put in there uh, that would need to be in there. Maybe they wanted Max Christie plus your first round pick that you had available plus a pick swap. All of that, you're saying they should have done it. Okay, that's fine. But I don't look at that and say that's clearly a home run deal or nor is that reason to take out frustration on Austin, who's actually producing who's producing at a pretty, in fact, he had a couple of clutch buckets uh, against the Wizards. So has he become the third guy that we kind of hoped he would be? No, but he is still out producing his contract by a bunch. So like, I understand a little bit of frustration towards Austin, a little bit of frustration towards the team in general, and that's going to get directed at everybody, right? That, that's understandable. But this like visceral hate, towards Austin that I've seen from some people. To me, it's it's surprising. It's surprising because it's not like the guy's not producing. All right. Bryson, didn't we have two timeouts when Braun sat at the end of the fourth? Yeah, that was, oh my gosh. You know, I talked about this on the live show. I said, sometimes we get into this mindset of, oh, dumb Darwin. Here we go again, right? The Lakers are terrible because Darwin's so awful. And I've been plenty critical of Darvin Ham. Right? I'm not, not saying that I haven't been. But sometimes I think we overplay the whole, you know, like when I did the, the Dear Darvin series, all of that was tongue-in-cheek, right? I don't really think Darvin Ham is that just incompetent, that he doesn't understand simple basketball. Of course he does. Of course he does. So when people were assuming, oh, Darvin subbed out LeBron, Darvin made that choice. I don't agree with that. And lo and behold, yeah, editor extraordinaire Daniel Starkan, who was in the building, said, no, LeBron asked out. He wanted out. Darvin didn't say LeBron goes to down. LeBron wanted out. Okay, so that's not on Darvin. That's not on Darvin, pulling LeBron when he did. However, Bryson is right. The issue that is on Darvin is LeBron went to the scorer's table to check in with two minutes and 20 seconds to play in the game. And the Wizards had just gone on, on a run. Just gone on a run. Fortunately, Austin got a bucket. It was a 5-0 run. And then Austin got a bucket to make it a 5-2 run. So one-point Wizards lead. LeBron goes to check in. Lakers get a stop. It's a live ball. Lakers have two timeouts. There's about two minutes left to play. You've got two of them. Two time. It's not one, two timeouts. They don't use it. Lakers go down and they miss. Defense goes the other way. Or, or the Wizards go the other way. Lakers get a stop. They get a rebound. Again, no timeout. Clock's still running. Wasting time. 
No LeBron in the game. Finally, Jordan Poole commits a foul. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Thank goodness Jordan Poole did that because that stopped the clock and Darvin didn't have to call a timeout and he got LeBron into the game. But from the two minute and 20 second mark, when LeBron went and stood by the scorer's table to check back in and when he actually got in, a minute and 10 seconds went by. A minute and 10 seconds in a critical game. Now, I'm not talking about how long he was actually out because you subbed out at like the three minute and change mark. I'm talking about from when LeBron said, okay, I'm rested now. I'm ready to go back in. And when he actually got back in, the Lakers let an extra minute and 10 seconds run off the clock, off the game clock with no LeBron in the game for no reason when they had two timeouts. And guess how many timeouts they finished the game with end of the fourth quarter before overtime. Guess how many they still had? Two. He never used them. And you've got LeBron asking out of a game because he's tired. And Darvin is the coach who early in the season told us that the reason why he doesn't like using timeouts is because he wants to save them so that when LeBron is tired or AD is tired, he can get them rest without having to pull them off the floor. I I don't know, everybody. I don't know. Blows my mind. Specifically told us he saves his timeouts so when LeBron needs a rest, he can give him a rest by using those timeouts. He could have burned a timeout, gotten LeBron even a little bit more rest, and gotten him back into the game. Instead, he let another minute and change play out without LeBron on the floor in crunch time of an important must-win, better-not-lose-this game. It's maddening, folks. It's maddening. I give Darvin credit when I, when I see it, when I can. But that was bad. Uh, John. Ham's sideline attitude and post-game comments kill me. He demands nothing from this team. Poor defense, oh well. Poor rebounding, oh well. Poor efforts, oh well. I've never seen any fire or intensity. Well, yeah, I mean, after the game, and Ron and I talked about this, it's earlier in the show in the clip, so I won't rehash it too much, but I, I think Darwin is very confident in this team. He speaks very fondly of them, very highly of them publicly, 
And there is something to that. There is some positive to that, right? You're you're hearing your coach say good things about you. But we'll see. I, I think there's a lot to be desired right now. Kevin said, hate to say it, but we got to pull for Boston tomorrow. Well, that was against the Wizards uh, when he posted that. Yeah, and, and that's what happened. The Celtics won. Avon Traders said the Lakers won the challenge, so they still had one challenge to use. You get another challenge if you win the first challenge. Oh, the challenge that they had to burn on, on LeBron. Yeah, yeah. The point wasn't that they lost the challenge that they had. I was frustrated that LeBron got called for that offensive foul, that they even had to use a challenge in that situation to get the correct call. I mean, it was a blatantly obvious charge. Like the elbow came up and, and everything. I said it on the live show. And like in the NBA, when the NBA is doing training sessions and they're illustrating what is an offensive foul, they'll use that play. Like it was that obvious of an offensive foul. And the Lakers had to use a challenge to get the referees to make the right call. Crazy. Uh, Deem said, what's the latest with Gabe? Nothing. We've got nothing on him. Star in your role should be the Lamar Odom award. Okay. I don't, I don't dislike that. Shout out to the Lakers. Uh, beat Den Denver next and glad we beat Clippers 3-1. Yep, Lakers won the season series against the Clippers 3-1. It was great to see. Akbar said, Darwin signaled to challenge the obvious goaltend by Rui, which LeBron stopped him from. Wouldn't have had it for uh, the OT missed call if it was for scam. Yeah, so... Rui Hachimura had a play where it was a clear goaltend. His hand went up through the net. And Darvin, all I can say is he must not have had the right angle on it because he immediately called a timeout and immediately signaled for the review. And um, LeBron, you, the announce crew told us, uh, Billy Mack, Stu, said LeBron was telling Darvin, no, don't challenge this because it was very obviously a goaltend by the rules. I mean, his hand was in the net, right, as the ball's hitting the rim. Very obviously, it was it was a goaltend. Ham was was signaling for it. My initial thought was, oh no, he can't take it. He already he already signaled to the referee that we're reviewing this, but they did not actually wind up challenging it. And apparently, he was able to rescind the challenge or whatever it was. Um, LeBron was able to stop him. But you're right. I mean, that was look. Darwin has also had some some times in the season where a play needed to be challenged. And he looked to his assistant coaches and he couldn't get the information fast enough or they couldn't come to a conclusive decision. And so they don't challenge and the play goes on and that's it. You lost the opportunity and he would have won the challenge had he challenged or most likely would have won it had he challenged. So we've seen that too. So I get why Darwin would be want to be quick on the trigger with some of these. If he sees something that he thinks is obviously wrong to not have to go to his assistants and queue up the film and, and see what's what. But all I can think is maybe Darwin didn't have a good view of what was happening there. But thank goodness LeBron told him, like, no, we are going to lose this challenge because the Lakers wound up needing that challenge on that offensive foul uh, against LeBron James or the offensive foul committed on LeBron James, who was defending because the, that was a terrible call. And thank goodness the Lakers still had a challenge for that. OK, everybody, we've got Lakers Nuggets tonight again. We've got a 530 Pacific time tip off for this one. So come join us over on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers nation. Hang out with us, watch the game with us. We'll talk hoops all the way through or on the Lakers nation, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers nation. And uh, you can hang out with us there as well. 
podcast side, five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Be a great way to support the show. Thank you again, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Saturday. Let's get that win tonight against the Nuggets. Got to keep pace in the Western Conference. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.